taking a break from our uh, series in the Gospel of Luke for just this week to consider the, miss- the mission of the church, um, Christ's vision for the, the local church. Uh, what is our mission to the world? What is our responsibility? What would Christ have us do? That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. Um, it's a message I've been planning on uh, giving for a while, but I thought with uh, David and Oliver here today to folks that we've recently partnered with in gospel ministry, that it would be an appropriate time for us to think about uh, our responsibility as a local congregation in the work of missions and outreach. So Acts chapter 1, and um, actually going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 11 so that uh, we we have the whole context here. But uh, before we read as our ordinary practices, let's pray and ask for God to help us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we pray now for uh, the Holy Spirit to work among us so that we might not only understand your word, but believe it and trust in Christ anew and afresh. And we pray that the same gospel by which we are being saved and transformed, that we would be um, motivated and enabled to take this gospel to the ends of the earth proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Let's hear God's word. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And will we give thanks to God for his word? You might remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says that um, he did not run aimlessly or box as one beating the air. And that that verse has been in my mind this week. And, And I think we can say that that should also be true of our ministry as a local congregation. 
We shouldn't be running around like chickens with our, our heads cut off. We shouldn't be boxing as one beating the air. Right? We need direction. We need something to aim for so that we are not running around aimlessly or boxing as one beating the air. And I think Jesus gives us a clear vision for the church and for our church here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Here's, here's what we, we are to aim for. In just a few words, Jesus gives us his own mission statement. And our responsibility as a church is to take that mission and work it out in our own context. And so here's what I want us to think about this morning as we look at some of this passage together. There are three parts of this passage I want us to consider. First, the, the spiritual mission of the church. What, what are we supposed to do? What are we to aim for? Secondly, the scope of the mission of the church. Who are we to reach? And, and thirdly, the security of the mission of the church. How is God going to work this out? Those are the three things I want us to consider this morning. So first of all, the spiritual mission of the church. What has Christ called us to do? I think the confusion of the disciples in this passage actually leads us to the answer to that question. So if you look at verses 6 and 7, you'll see the disciples are pretty confused still about the, the nature of the kingdom. We know from verse 3 that Jesus has been speaking to his disciples after his resurrection, before his ascension. He's been speaking to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And now the disciples ask Jesus this question in verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Calvin says about this verse that there are as many problems with this question as there are words. <laughs> Let's just boil it down to three things here. John Stott is helpful. He says that the first mistake the disciples are making is they're, they're thinking in terms of a political kingdom. A political kingdom. You see that in the language. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like the, like the good old days. Like it used to be when there was, a, when is there, there was established a monarchy in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, until Jerusalem was sacked. Can you take us back to how it used to be in the days of the Old Testament. Or secondly, the second mistake that they're making is that they're thinking in terms of a national kingdom. Such that, you know, basically the, the kingdom is defined in geopolitical terms. That the boundary lines of Israel will define virtually the extent of the kingdom that they have in mind. And the third mistake I think they, they have in mind here is they're thinking in terms of an immediate kingdom. Will you restore this, king, this kingdom at this time? You remember that Israel during this time period is you know, under the boot of the Roman Empire. Subjects of Rome. And so it, it appears as though they are hoping for a radical change in the fortunes of the people of Israel in particular. And, and they wanted it to happen now, right away. But take a look at verse 8 and you'll see that Jesus has a very, very different understanding of the kingdom. Very different vision of the kingdom. 
He makes it clear that he is not interested in establishing an earthly, political, national, and immediate kingdom in this world. He was, he was going to ascend to heaven and send the Spirit to advance a spiritual, not political kingdom, universal, not national kingdom, and a kingdom that would advance and progress throughout this present age until its consummation at the end of this age. And then take a look at what Jesus says to them in verse 8. He says to the disciples, but you will receive power. Now, with the disciples' misunderstandings about the kingdom, you, you can maybe imagine a little bit what's going through their minds. Power, yes, Jesus, that's exactly what we need. A little bit of power to overthrow Rome's rule, a little bit of power to enthrone you as king, a little bit of power to establish a, a new political regime, a, a power to make Israel great again. And you see, Jesus isn't talking, though, about power for military conquests or power for political triumph. He's talking about power for the mission of his church which Jesus defines here as being witnesses to the world. And so we're seeing here that the Holy Spirit, as we think about these first disciples, the apostles, the Holy Spirit will enable them to provide inerrant, trustworthy, reliable testimony to the person and work of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he, as the Son of God, come in our flesh, has done, is doing, and will one day do. And today, that testimony, it is committed to the apostolic writings that we have in our Bibles. And we, as members of the church, are stewards of it, the bearers of their witness to this day, to the ends of the earth. And so as we bear witness to Jesus, heralding the word, the apostolic witness continues, and we are called to be agents of it. That's Jesus' vision for the church, spirit-empowered witness-bearing to the good news about Jesus Christ. So let's be, let's be clear about this. Jesus promises power to be given to his church. But power for what? Uh, not, not political power, not power to establish a Christian state or a Christian society. Uh, not power to advance the kingdom of God by force or by worldly means. But power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses on the earth. So we could say that the mission of the church is spiritual and declarative. Spiritual in the sense that the church bears witness in the power of the Spirit by declaring the gospel of a once crucified but now risen and reigning Lord. That's the mission that belongs to the church. That's the mission that belongs to us as a local church. We have a spiritual, capital S, spiritual witness-bearing mission to make Jesus known. And the church, you see, has been entrusted with this message, we have, we have good news, the best news for the world, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the king of kings, and that as the 
king of this kingdom. He has entered into this world, to, to, into this dysfunctional, sinful, fallen world. And he has come to destroy the works of the devil and to bring healing and restoration and salvation. And he has, he has done it by laying down his own life and becoming a curse upon the cross. God, God the Father, has raised him up and now he, he reigns at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So, so while the kingdoms of this world will be thrown into the, the dumps of history, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will endure forever and ever. And anyone, everywhere, at any time, can be a member of this kingdom. Though we are by nature strangers to this kingdom because of sin, Jesus Christ himself has come personally to deal with that sin so that we need no other qualification to be a citizen of his kingdom than but we bow our knee to him, trusting in him, no longer living life on our terms, but on his. My friends, this is the message that has been entrusted to us. And we have, a, we have a spiritual mission to bear witness regarding this news. Now let's, let's go to the second thing though. The, first, the, the spiritual mission of the church. Now I want us to think about the scope of the mission of the church. Who are we to reach? Notice again how the disciples are primarily concerned about Israel, at least in the words that they speak here, they're, they're basically defining the kingdom in, in narrowly nationalistic terms. They seem, at least, to, to think that uh, very, they, they seem to think very little of, of anyone else at this point. But how does that contrast with Jesus' vision of his kingdom? Who, who belongs? Who, who's to be invited in? And therefore, who are we to bear witness to? Take a look again at verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea. Okay, nothing surprising there, Jesus, for these first disciples, Jerusalem and Judea. That's, that's home turf. That's, that's Israel. But hang on. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria. Okay, hold on, Jesus. Now... Now you're making us feel a little bit uncomfortable. You, you want us to witness to the Samaritans? But Jesus isn't even finished there. We give you power. Power of the Spirit to bear witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I am sending you, equipping you to be my witnesses to the world. So what is the scope of the mission? The scope of the mission of the church is to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it's, it's, frankly, it's overwhelming. It sounds like mission impossible. And imagine how it must have felt to this initial group of disciples. Jesus is talking to this ragtag band who, off, who were often confused, slow to understand, fickle, and had deserted Jesus in the hour of his trial and arrest. Just like us, they're weak, slow to understand, and deeply flawed. And Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to give you what you need for a global mission. You are going to be my witnesses 
to the ends of the earth. You see, this really is, it really is mission impossible. This is not something we could ever hope to accomplish in our own strength. This is never something we could do on our own. But the good news is that this mission that Jesus gives to his church is not merely a human enterprise, is it? This is the plan of the Father for bringing the nations to his Son. And just to encourage you a little bit now, think think about the book of Acts as a whole for a second. How the book of Acts ends in light of what we're being told here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 about witnesses going to the ends of the earth. How does the book of Acts end? It, It ends with the apostle Paul in Rome. Now why does the book of Acts end with the Apostle Paul in Rome? Because Rome was the capital city of the Roman Empire. Symbolically, it's the ends of the earth at that time. And so the book of Acts ends with a partial fulfillment of Acts 1.8. In one generation, the gospel has gone from Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, to the very center and heart of the Roman Empire. But you see, the church's task of Bearing witness to the ends of the earth, it remains an unfinished task. What what does Jesus tell us in the the Great Commission? Go to, to, to all peoples, to all nations, and I will be with you to the end of the age. This is a task to be carried out to the end of the age. So again, how big is the scope of the mission Christ has given to his church? It's as big as the world. And who's invited to belong? Everyone. Who, who may come in and become a citizen of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ? Anyone, anywhere, as they believe the gospel. And so the mission of the church is therefore multi-ethnic and multicultural. And it is a mission that will always stall out whenever the church begins to exclude people upon the grounds of of race or background or socioeconomic status or something along those lines. In Christ, what does Paul say? In Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. That's part of our message. And so this is a world-spanning, boundary-breaking, dividing wall Smashing every class, gender, and ethnicity embracing vision. No one is excluded. No one is forbidden from belonging. There is no one anywhere who cannot belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ if they will but bend the knee and trust him with their life. And please, this is one of the things I I want us to note today. That this task that Jesus is entrusting to his church is just that. It is a task that has been committed to the church. This is not a task that belongs to any other group. This is, this is not a task that is given to parachurch organizations or groups. This is not the job of the state. This is not even the job of individual Christians. This is a task entrusted to the church of Jesus Christ, a mission to bear witness to Jesus in the power of the Spirit, locally, regionally, 
globally to the ends of the earth so that people all over the earth may receive and rejoice in this king. And so this is a task Jesus gives to us as a local congregation, a work we are called to. So if you take a look at at the the vision statement that you have in in your bulletin, um, I think it's on pages three and four. I want to just mention a few things there uh, by way of explanation. You'll see here, this is uh, a flawed attempt to commit ourselves afresh to Christ's vision for the church. And this is, this is our attempt to help clarify what our mission to the world is so that we might run together with purpose. You'll see first it says we, we exist to glorify God by making disciples in, in Johnstown. This is, if you like, our earthly Jerusalem. This is our home base. This is where God in his providence by his spirit and word has brought us together and bound us together in the Lord Jesus Christ and has made us an outpost of the kingdom of God. And so we are called to bear witness here. To to bear witness in these neighborhoods, this community. We, We ought to be more than a church in the city of Johnstown. We are, we are called to bear witness to these people and these neighborhoods. What I meant by more than a church, I mean more than a church building. Next, it, it says we are to glorify God by, by making disciples in Johnstown and in the greater Johnstown area. Forgive me if I'm wrong about this. I was trying to think through this during the week. I think when we are dispersed into our various communities and neighborhoods, we have, we have members in, in Cambria, Somerset, Indiana, and Blair Counties. We have, we have people living in, in Richland, and Belmont, and Westmont, and Wimber, and Moxham, and, and Davidsville, and on and on I could go. And what we want to do, what we're committing ourselves to is, is as a church, to, to equipping you as individuals and families to be a witness for Christ in your home and in your neighborhoods. And friends, before you get nervous about that and what that means, it really isn't something we need to complicate with a program or strategy or technique. It simply means being equipped by the ministry of the church to live faithfully as a follower of Jesus Christ where God has placed you. Being ready to give a reason for for the hope that you have in Christ. And we want to work together Emphasis on the word together. We want to work together to implement proactive ways to effectively proclaim Christ throughout our region. You know, one small but practical step we're taking in that direction is training ourselves as a congregation with the Christianity Explored material so that we can begin to offer Bible studies in in one another's homes to reach people in our neighborhoods. Finally, we're called to glorify God by making disciples in Johnstown, the greater Johnstown area, and around the world. So our call to bear witness, it extends beyond this region to to North America, beyond North America to the ends of the earth. (coughs) You know, when the Missions and Outreach Committee was formed, we did a very Presbyterian thing. We formed a committee, and then one of the first actions we took was we formed three subcommittees. <clears throat> and we have a committee for, for local outreach, a committee for 
North America and the Committee for World Missions. And we believe in both North America and around the world that the work of church planting needs to be at the very heart of what we are about as a church. Because the church is the strategy of Jesus given to reach the nations with the gospel. See, there's, there's no other group responsible. It's the church's commission. And so we want to be a church that's committed to seeing people gathered, formed, and established as local churches. Uh, gathered, formed as worshiping communities who are then reaching out to others with the gospel. And this task, it extends beyond our own nation to, to all the world. So you'll notice in the statement an emphasis on the unreached peoples of the world. And, and that's because there is a tremendous need today for mission works, church planting mission works to unreached people groups. You know, we might think that in our modern age of connectivity that the, that the church has, you know, we've, we've pretty much reached the nations with the gospel. But the statistics tell a very different story. I think the statistics are staggering. That 95% of full-time Christian workers serve in a reached part of the world. That 42% of the world's population is unreached. That is, they have, they have no Bible, no church nearby, no consistent gospel witness. There are over 6,700 unreached people groups in the world today. So there is a tremendous need and because we believe the church is called to reach the unreached with the good news about Jesus, we are committed as a congregation to church planting mission works to unreached people groups. All right, that's just a, an explanation of a few things there in that vision statement. Perhaps we'll come to it again another time. But let's, uh, let's take a look quickly at this third theme. We've thought about the, the spiritual mission of the church, the scope of the mission of the church, Thirdly, the security of the mission of the church. How is this going to get done? How is this ever going to be realized? We might look at this passage and, and put all of our attention on the church's responsibility to carry out this, this gospel witness. But if we put all of our attention on the church's responsibility, I think we'd actually be missing the primary theme of this passage. Because the primary theme of this passage is that the, the, the witnessing work of the church of Jesus Christ is grounded in the sovereign plan of the Heavenly Father, enabled by the work of the risen, ascended Son, and empowered by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the witnessing work of the church is backed by the triune God. And friends, therefore, it will not fail. It's secure because this task is not first and foremost about what we do for God. It's first and foremost about what God does and enables us to do. So just very, very briefly with me, think about how the triune God secures the success 
of this witnessing mission. First, first notice that the mission is secure because it's governed by the fixed plan of God the Father. The disciples ask Jesus in, in verse 7, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and he said to them in response, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. The Father is fixed by his own authority. The Father has a sovereign plan, secret, hidden, known only to him. Uh, the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated in his first coming will one day be consummated in all of its glory at his second coming. But until then, Jesus has already taught his disciples that its progress in the world is not immediate but gradual. And if the Father's sovereign plan controls and governs the consummation of that kingdom, then surely it determines the progress and advancement of the gospel in the world. I think that's why Jesus speaks of times and seasons as the church bears witness to the world. The, in the day-to-day -day, uh, witnessing work of the church and in the seasons of ministry of the church throughout the world, the advance of the gospel is sovereignly determined by our God. And that's a reminder to us, I think, in an age that demands instant results. Maybe, maybe David and Oliver feel some of this pressure as two men sent to Indiana to begin new gospel works. We want churches and church ministries to be established. We want churches to be planted on a timetable as if success were the inevitable result of, you know, a mechanical deployment of the right techniques. Now, for sure, for sure, we, we want to do things well and wisely and effectively. That's one of the reasons why David and Oliver received extensive training before they were sent to Indiana. But instant results is not the nature of the kingdom of God. You know, for sure, progress can sometimes occur suddenly, rapidly, and we rejoice when that happens. But more often, progress is slow and steady, moving forward according to the secret purpose and plan of God. And so while we need to plan and pray and commit and work hard, we need to do it, I think, with a long-term vision for church planting and church growth. Second, we're thinking here about how the, the work of the triune God secures the mission of the church. Notice how this mission is secure because it's grounded in the work of the risen Christ. You know, we call this, it's, it's here on my page, the Acts of the Apostles. That's what we call this book. And from one perspective, that's, that's a perfectly accurate title. It's, it's about the gospel going to the ends of the earth by the activity of the apostles. But the way that Luke sets up this book from the very beginning is meant to show us that the activity of the apostles is grounded in the activity of the ascended son. And so we could also call this book the Acts of the Risen Christ. This is, this is volume two of Luke's two-volume work. Uh, <clears throat> he wrote the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus, to tell him about the acts of Christ while he was on earth. Luke recalls that here in the opening words that we read. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. That was the gospel of Luke. 
Now in Acts, Luke is telling you about what Jesus does from the throne. What Jesus is doing from the right hand of the Father before departing from his disciples. He, he, well, uh, he, he told them, you remember, to hang out in Jerusalem until the, the promise of the Father is realized and the Spirit comes. And then the ascended Christ sends his Spirit to the church. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus throughout his life and ministry is given to the church to empower them to bear witness to the world. And then from there, as you go on from in the rest of the book of Acts, you, you have the record of the church bearing witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the heart of Rome. And so you see the mission of the church, it, it's secure because it's fixed by the sovereign plan of the Father and it's grounded in the acts of the ascended Christ and it is enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit given to Christ's church. And so all three persons of the Godhead uniquely secure the success of the work of missions. Does that mean there won't be bumps along the way? No, of course not. But it's all according to the Father's plan. It's, it's the work of the Son through his redeemed people, empowered by his Spirit. That's what the work of missions is. Now that should, I think, do, realizing that should do a couple of things to us. First of all, I think it should make us bold. Not self-confident, but but bold because we know that the times and the seasons of the advance of the gospel is in the hands of our sovereign God. We can bear witness together, trusting that salvation belongs to God, that the, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord because he will see to it. God will do it. And my friends, he will use weak, confused, stammering, Broken people like you and me to do it. Uh, the times and seasons are fixed by his plan. So we should be bold. The other thing I think this should do to us, it should make us patient. We must not think that because, you know, we have this flashy new vision statement on missions and outreach or because we've established a missions and outreach committee or because we pray really hard for the work of missions that this will guarantee results. The mission of the church, again, it's not mechanical. You know, you put something in, you, know, you turn the crank and out pops gospel growth. No, the, the times and seasons are determined by God. The timing of his plan is his business. Faithful obedience is ours. Our chief concern is not growth. Our chief concern is faithful obedience. So my friends, here is the task given to, to the church, the task given to Trinity Presbyterian Church, spirit-empowered witnessing locally to the ends of the earth. We can, we can commit to this work knowing that it's grounded in the plan and action of our triune God. And our part is to be bold and patient, trusting that God ordinarily blesses faithfulness with fruitfulness. Not automatically, not mechanically, but when God's people do what God calls them to do, 
He blesses. The church grows. The word increases. And that's how the book of Acts speaks about it. It's a wonderful phrase. The word increased as the church bore witness to Jesus Christ. In other words, more and more hearts uh, were, were captured as God's people faithfully bore witness to the redeeming love of God in Jesus Christ. And isn't that, isn't that exactly what we long to see? You know, I, I, would, I want to see every single empty spot in these pews filled. Not because I care about numbers, but because we want to see more and more people come to know and love and trust and worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we want to see the church plant and campus ministry in Indiana flourish to the glory of God because we want to see the word increase. So my friends, let's, let's, let's be faithful, deploying whatever resources and gifts God has given to each one of us to fulfill the task Christ has entrusted to us. And, and may the Lord bless his church with gospel fruitfulness. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we rejoice that you possess all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, we pray for the grace to, to make disciples as we bear witness to you. And Father, we thank you that the times and seasons are in your hands. And we pray for the boldness that that truth provides us. And we pray that you would give us the patience to wait upon your timing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make us uh, bold witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ here locally, regionally, and insofar as you enable us around the world. Thank you that we have been able to partner with, with David and Oliver in Indiana. And we pray that your spirit would bless their ministries and that hearts would indeed be captured for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.